Jamal Abdus Salam has tasked all in gas communities only information sharing. The presidential election petition court has released the certified true copy of its judgment delivered on Wednesday. We also told you that uh, the Yobi State Contributory Healthcare Management Agency, in collaboration with the United Nations Children's Fund, are to enroll 7,000 vulnerable persons in the scheme across the state. And that's the news as edited by Abubakar Bestu and the production team. I am Jeremiah Jimmy, and my colleague has been Joy Marker, appreciating you for your time. In a very short while, we'll be linking you up with our Radio Link studio where Princess Aboraro is there to take you on Radio Link. Do stay tuned. to you. It's two minutes past eight here on the Network Service of Radio Nigeria. This is welcoming you to Radio Link on Africa's largest radio network and the radio station of the year. Welcome to Radio Link once again. It's a Radio Nigeria audience participatory program and it comes to you on the network service of Radio Nigeria every Saturday at 8 o'clock in the morning. And today on the program, we shall be discussing assessing the 100 days in office of the present administration. I am Princess Boraro. Once again, good to have you join us on Radio Link today. We're talking about the, the 100 days in office. And now, President Bola Ahmed Tinubu and about 40 state governors within the week marked their 100 days in office. And as a new administration, President Bola Tinubu, as well as the governors, appointed ministers at the federal and commissioners at the state levels. And this is paving way for a full governance and delivery of campaign promises made to electorate during the elections. Nigerians are still optimistic that the tittering prevailing socioeconomic challenges confronting the nation, such as insecurity, unemployment, power supply, that's talking about poor power supply, the higher cost of living and poverty, among others, will be given the expected priority by the president and the state governors. 
It is also appropriate to point out that President Tinubu came at a time when almost all economic indicators were declining. For instance, the National Bureau of Statistics, NBS, as in May this year, reported an inflation rate of 22.4%. The Debt Management Office, DMO, also put the nation's foreign and domestic loans at $77 trillion and debt's GDP ratio at 37.1%. Unemployment rate was put at 33.3%. That's quite high. Now, according to analysts, the government equally inherited a weak production base as both small and large-scale businesses were underperforming in the country, while those that managed to survive were grooming under stifling taxes. And, of course, some of them complain about double taxation. In the area of security, the government inherited the problem of terrorism, banditry, and kidnapping, all of which have tasked the nation's security forces to exhaustion, even though it still keeps the nation safe at a great expense. At the federal level, the government, in an effort to salvage the economy, had started with field subsidy removal, which led to the high cost of basic goods and services among workers and low-income earners. Uh, this is resulting in some agitations by labor unions across the country and industrial disharmony in the country as well. According to the federal government, the subsidy removal has generated over 2.5 trillion naira in less than five months. This has increased the revenue to run government programs and policies which until now were serviced through loans and borrowings. Well, some people will say that's a good development, but in many states as well, many fundamental decisions and policies have been rolled out to address specific needs and situations that will impact on the lives of the people in their respective states. Now, how does these policies, policies now of government and political decisions taken so far in the last 100 days of the present administration affect the people of Nigeria? What should be the priority of government in meeting the yearnings of Nigerians? And what is expected of the new administration? To discuss these issues with me, I have three gentlemen here with me in the studio. They came in right on time, and that's a very good thing. That's what we're advocating. We have with us in the studio the Director of Special Duties and State Operations of the National Orientation Agency, NOA, Mr. David Akuji. Good morning, sir. Thank you. Good morning, listeners. Pleasure to be here. And uh, we also have with us Mr. Hamzat Lowell. Uh, he is the Chief Executive Officer of a non-governmental organization, Connected Development. Good morning, Mr. Hamzat. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And uh, we also have with us uh, last but not the least, uh, the former presidential candidate of the African Democratic Congress, ADC, Mr. Dumebi Kachiku. Good morning, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, at the appropriate time, the phone lines will be open for you to be a part of the conversation. Don't forget that your calls will be taken as they come. And as soon as the phone lines are open, you'll be able to make your contribution. Do remember that our guests will be taking your questions and your contributions. No preferential treatment is given. We employ you to be brief, go straight to the point and switch off your radio set once your call is connected. The lines to call are 0705-149-3324. I take the number again, 0705-149-3324 and 0915-091-0482. That's 0915 
091-0482. For short text messages only, you can reach us on 0703-580-2425. For short text messages only, 0703-580-2425. You can also send us an email at frcncurrentaffairs at yahoo.com. That's frcncurrentaffairs at yahoo.com. On this program, we'd like to remind you again that we take calls as they come. No preference is given to any caller. And I'd like to thank you especially for joining us today on Radio Link. Now let's get to my guest in the studio. Let's keep the conversation going. It's been a hundred days in office of the present administration, both at state and the federal level, about 30 states right now. Um, Mr. Hamset Lawal, what's the assessment of the hundred days? Um, for me, it's a mixed reaction. Um, I would start with President Tinubu's inaugural speech, uh, which is his first day after taking autumn. Delivering his speech, um, he took a bold step and made a pronouncement that was not part of his speech, which was removal of war subsidy. And this uh, caused inflation and also brought some level of hardship to the Nigerian people. He also appointed special advisors, um, and then some of them transitioned into becoming ministerial nominees. I think something that was also unique was the fact that when you look at our fourth republic, no president have appointed uh, someone outside the military as a national security advisor. But this time he went to appoint a police chief who has good background on anti-corruption and also intelligence. That's also good. Uh, the president announced the unification of foreign exchange rate. We know that before now you have two parallel rates. You have the official CBN rate and then you have the parallel market rate. Uh, so with this announcement again, this brought the, you know, this sort of closed that gap that existed. The president has announced that he's going to unify the tax collection so that, you know, he would try to curb multiple taxation. So there's that conversation. I know he set up a committee and there's a, there's a high-level conversation around who would be saddled with the responsibility. Now, if IRS collect tax, Nigerian custom collect tax, you know, different other government agencies collect tax or revenue rather on behalf of the government. But, the president is looking at how to unify this revenue, you know, collection. Um, that's just a few I would mention for now, but Mr. President has taken some very bold step, um, you know, as he took over office and in the last hundred days. I will definitely come back to you on the effect of the bold steps that Mr. President has taken so far. Uh, Mr. Dumibi Kachiko, what is the what is your comment uh, on the critical areas of national challenges such as the insecurity that we're currently facing in the country, the economy, inflation uh, in the last 100 days? Do you see any difference? Well, listening to your um, uh, introductory piece, um, I am reminded of the fact that uh, all the indices indicate that Nigeria is a failed state. Um, the failed state? The numbers are yes, uh, the numbers are alarming. You speak of double-digit inflation. You speak of uh, unemployment at 33%. You speak of infrastructure challenges, security challenges, and what have you. All those indicate a state that has failed or is failing. Um, again. 
the challenge in Nigeria is that um, you also mentioned in, in your introductory piece that President Asiwaju inherited this. Um, but again, what you fail to mention is that it's the government is a continuum and it's the APC government inherited this from an APC government. So there are humongous challenges. Um, what I have seen so far by the steps he's taken, uh, um, uh, someone who is desirous of making an impact, um, um, but the desire to make an impact and making an impact in the right direction are two different things. Um, this, uh, taking a step towards um, removing subsidy, he inherited that decision from President Buhari. How he's gone about it? Is it the best way? I am. Um, I don't think so. I believe that subsidy had to be suspended or removed. But if suspended, you suspend and make the process better. An oil producing nation must have the benefit of subsidy. Nigerians are suffering for it. Um, Hamza mentioned that the reforms in taxation and what have you. Knowing the kind of challenges we have as a people in Nigeria in trying to centralize collection and tax and everything, we will know that will deal with monumental corruption if they go about it that way and the process will not be efficient. But the president being a business-minded person, he has the right ideas in terms of what needs to be done. What I've seen so far is that there's some kind of disconnect between some of the ideas he has and how he's gone about those ideas. And those are the things, you obviously understand that when someone comes into office, he deals with a lot of things. But I hope that as he goes forward, he will continue to refine some of those ideas and he will continue to make bolder and better steps that will benefit Nigerian people. So right now for me, it's a mixed bag of emotions seeing the fact that Nigerians from all walks of life are suffering the effects of some of the decisions and the effects of Nigeria as a whole in the last eight years. Well, Mr. David Akonji, uh, according to what the statistics that we have, the subsidy removal has generated over 2.5 trillion naira, but some people are saying that's not enough compared to the suffering that the people of the country are currently going through. And Mr. Hamzat Lawa said that's a bold step, maybe probably taking it the, at the wrong time, but needed to be done, because it was already on paper, according to Mr. Kachuku, it's, it's an inherited uh, problem. Uh, what do you think uh, could have been do done better? And how, com 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 considering the fact that 2.5 trillion has been saved from it, um, what can, what do you think can be done to make it easy for Nigerians, for them, to, for Nigerians to understand the fact that okay, this is this is a bold step. We understand we're suffering as well, but some monies have been saved. Um, how do you think that money should be put in, you know, to use to help the masses? Okay, th this is a multi-dimensional question. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I'll attempt to answer them from the various dimensions that you have put on the table. Uh, my personal opinion is this. Subsidy ought to have gone in 2012. And it wasn't APC that was in power in 2012. Uh, President Jonathan at that time uh, sort of shifted subsidy a little and it created such huge uproar. All the countries that went into subsidy regime alongside Nigeria, and you would be looking at Venezuela, you know, and some other of these countries, have long since exited. They had the foresight to understand that the sustenance of subsidy would have a tendency of leading our country to where we find ourselves before the pronouncement of subsidy 
removal by President Tinubu. And that is the position where subsidy begins to account for your over 90% of your expenditure, of your revenue. That's where we were, you know, um, to, to service subsidy and to still run the country. This country was in a place where over 90% of our revenue was going to service debts. You know, and various forms of debts were being collected. That's the context in which uh, President Tinubu came into office. I agree with Dumebi that political parties should take responsibility, but you would also agree, and I'm sure Dumebi knows this from experience, that um, there are different leadership tendencies and dispositions and priorities, even within the same political party. And we have seen how this plays out. So that, to some extent, should mitigate uh, this responsibility that we're talking about. Not absolve, but mitigate. And I, and I say that even from experience. Um, having said that, Nigerians are really suffering. There's no doubt about that fact. Inflation is at runaway rate. Most families cannot um, afford things that ordinarily, uh, you know, they, they used to have, including uh, staple foods like gari, like maize. All of these have shot beyond the easy reach of the ordinary uh, Nigerian. And this is certainly cause for concern. There should be a sense of urgency. Uh, now that some funds have been disbursed to states, I would want to say that stakeholders should keep an eye on what the states are doing. You know there's a lot of skepticism. States have not shown themselves to be exactly um, accountable when it comes to managing resources that are meant for the larger proportion you know, of, of Nigerians, who, uh, and that is the masses. You know, so that process also needs to, um, to be looked at. I have personally monitored what some of the states are doing, buying bags of rice and all of that and so on. That will just merely scratch the surface, and it will solve the extensive parts of the challenge that we have on ground. That challenge includes cost of transportation, which affects medic medication, affects um, food, affects you know school fees, affects every facet, you know. And uh, I think um, it would be better for states to also look in that direction, provide alternative transportations that are subsidized, you know, to farms, to schools, to places of work, you know, and all of that. These bags of rice that I see being deployed will bring us back to square one. Um, Mr. Hamza Lawa, talking about states, um, going back to the state level now and the local government level, you have the connected development and you see these things, you have your people on ground to see what is going on. How are these, the policies of the current um, administration, both at state, local and federal level, affecting the people? Negatively or positively? You see, I, I would be, I'll try not to mise words. We don't have local government administration. We have federal and state. We know that this governance has hijacked the rules of local governance and most times do not disperse uh, resources accrued to them. Now at the state level, and this is where we see ground corruption. Uh, if not that Governor Zulu came publicly and said that they have received uh, what was termed palliative for state, all the governors kept to meet. Yes. Until he made the announcement after meeting with the president and announced that five billion 
was disbursed. No, five billion was committed, but they've received about three billion. And out of these resources, some are grants, which means it's free. Others are loan, which the governors would pay back. We've also seen some governors set up committee that would undertake the distribution of this palliative, identify low-income households and poor households. In some states, the governors have literally kept mute. They've not confirmed if they've seen these resources and how they intend to utilize these resources. In short, in some other states, they even included civil society, religious and traditional institutions in the committee that was set up, like Plateau State, for instance. And in some other states, like Castena and even Bruno, the governors oversaw the distribution of this palliative on the ground, on the field that we observed. But I think that as people, we need to understand that, yes, we try to put a lot of pressure on the national because they're responsive, because, you know, people in, in the federal capital territory are enlightened. But the bulk of the work falls to the state and the local government. Uh, today, who can say they can have access to the, some state government budget or local government budget? They only, everybody only focuses on the national budget, you know? And because of that, we are now running a feeding board to federalism, where everybody comes to Abuja at the end of the month, so the accountant general and the commissioner for finance would come, and we share FAC. Yes, we've saved 2.5 trillion, but beyond the saving, how can we make the state viable? So, so again, when you look at the the state in general, or the federation. Every state have natural resources where they can tap into and become viable and create wealth, create revenue, and create jobs for Tini unemployed young people. So uh, as much as we want to look at President Tinubu's 100 days in office, and I, I, you know, I'm glad everybody agreed that first subsidy has to go because at that time, every day we spend over 50 billion subsidizing the rich, not the poor. Yes, it is the poor that is now bearing the brunt, but we're actually subsidizing in the region. If you look at how much consumption we were uh, accruing at that time and what we're accruing now, we've literally cut close to 50%. But some people will say that's, that's because a lot of people can't afford to fill their tanks anymore, not because somebody was doing something. No, because if, if you look at data and if you follow the money, Nigeria in the West African or sub-region was the one selling the cheapest for. So they were, they were diver literally diverting our PMS. So yes, a lot of people cannot afford to fill their tanks, but if you look at data, it literally clearly states. And if you go to border communities, you know, they gave us a report of how four tankers at that time would be crossing the border. But now nobody, because now the, the fuel, are, the price is rather similar. So, uh, you know, so again, yes, there's a lot to be done, but I think we need to look inwards and really tell ourselves the truth. And I believe that if we continue this way, in another six months or so, because this, what we're experiencing is an initial shock. And the World Bank have even told us, IMF have told us, yes, there will be an initial shock where, you know, there will be inflation and the cost of living will skyrocket. But I also think that if we're able to tackle insecurity and allow farmers to go back to their farmland, this would help us, you know, crash the food prices, uh, the hike in food prices that we're experiencing. Um, Mr. Kachuku, let me come back to you now. The, the, we have a problem on ground, which is a problem of the local government areas not functioning. And Mr. Hamza talked about the fact that the state 
states, local state governors practically hijacked the local government areas and they run the local governments and control what happens there. Sometimes the local governments and areas don't get the, the funds needed to run the government. But that's why we have a chunk of Nigerians, the very persons who are productive, the farmlands are there. But we notice that these things don't happen as, as expected. How can we get the present administration to focus on the local government and follow due process. Okay, let me briefly respond to what David said earlier on when he spoke about uh, he used multidimensional and he referenced Venezuela. That nations like Venezuela, when they removed subsidy, um, um, they did that because they went, that was the right thing to do. Venezuela till today never recovered from removing subsidies. That's why Venezuela's economy has failed and is a failed nation. I remember one of my professors who was in the, um, who was an advisor to the president um, who um, had recommended for subsidy removal and when he was taking a lecture, he was crying, he was in tears because he regretted advising the then president about subsidy removal in Venezuela. Again, Hamza spoke about numbers. You know, when he said to talk about um, 2.6 trillion that has been saved. We've said 2.6 trillion, but the Nigerian economy has lost over 10 trillion naira due to um, due to subsidy removal. So we're like a country that's on fire, and instead of putting out the fire, we pour kerosene into the fire. So Nigeria is in flames. Nigeria is burning. The people are suffering. What did the president? What should the president have done? Subsidy issue is an issue of a few big men taking advantage of the failures in Nigerian states. NNPC allocates petroleum products to them and they divert these products. Now, it's of making over 200 million people suffer. Why don't you arrest these big men? You know who you allocate the products to. You can track where they're taking the products. Why make Nigerians as a whole suffer? You know the people. If you look at the data, interrogate the data, who did I allocate products to at this time? Where did you take the products to? It's that simple. But we keep on making poor Nigerians suffer for a big man's problem. You mentioned earlier 70, about 73 uh, trillion in external debts. If you look at what we've lost in 10 years to good oil theft, almost 60 trillion naira, 60 billion every month could oil theft, big man's problem, poor people are suffering for it. That's the biggest challenge of Nigeria, that the big men, a few big men in our society are destroying our country, putting all of us in jeopardy, and instead of going after these people, we just bring down the system and say, okay, you know what, we're going to have this. This approach to it, that put it, address the root cause of the problem. Go after these big men and solve that problem. That's what we need to do. Coming back to the issue of local government, again, it's the same thing. Our constitution spells out the functions of the different tiers of government. If local government is not working, who have we used to make an example? How do you get there? You elect as a local government chairman, you saw what happened in Ogun State. And we kept quiet. The local government chairman came and said, the governor is taking our money. The next thing, people pressured him and they all came and they said, sir, sir, daddy, 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 I will apologize for his statement. The next thing, he was arrested by DSS because 
he spoke the truth. But guess what? This guy spoke the truth. What did Nigerians as a whole do? What have we done to protect that guy? So just a news flash. That is why nobody fights for Nigeria. As someone in the opposition, I always say this. My job is not only to oppose. My job is to propose because I'm a Nigerian. I believe that one of the fundamental mistakes we make as Nigerians is that we believe that it's just about hitting governments. There's no president. If you make, if you bring 10 P2B, 10 anybody to Nigeria, until you understand that Nigeria's problem is a problem of everybody, concerted effort by all Nigerians, you will never solve Nigeria's problem, which is why I keep on saying, oppose, propose. What should we do at a time like this? If I was president of Nigeria, I would have solved the first problem, which is the Nigerian question. Who are we? What are we about? The problem he's facing today as a president is the fact that most Nigerians don't even believe in his government. How can a man who most Nigerians don't believe in his government, how can he deliver for Nigerians? He should have solved that problem. Get the buying of Nigerians. Our elections were flawed. I keep on saying this. If our elections were flawed, our elections were flawed because the four major parties, APC, PDP, Labour, and NNPP, all rigged the elections. Not an APC problem. All the major parties rigged the election. They were flawed. The Court of Appeal delivered a sound judgment from what I believe. Uh, what I believe is the Court of Appeal delivered a sound judgment in the elements of law, but the Court of Appeal still failed to sanction INEC because INEC failed everybody. How do we move forward from this? The Nigerian president must start being the president of all Nigerians. He must carry all Nigerians and all Nigerians have to buy into Project Nigeria, which is the problems and solutions of Nigeria. So how we can make this country better. Jabba is not a solution right now. We must solve the problem of Nigeria. And as long as we don't face the problem of Nigeria and as closely make this effort where we all believe that we have a role to play, we won't solve this problem. I was very happy when David introduced himself, or David was introduced to me when we were working and he said that he's a director from National Orientation Agency. This agency has the biggest role to play in Nigeria today. That is letting Nigerians know what it means to be a Nigerian. All right. Um, thank you very much, Mr. Kachiku, uh, for that um, contribution, though a bit long. But now we will take the uh, time for us to open the phone lines for you to be a part of the conversation. If you're just joining us, this is Radio Link, and it's reaching you live on the network service of Radio Nigeria, Africa's largest radio network and the radio station of the year. I have my guest with me in the studio. Uh, we're discussing, we're assessing the 100 days in office of the current administration, both at state and federal level. And um, we'd like you to make a contribution. If you've been here with us, you've heard from my guests who have talked extensively about the situation today. It's not looking good, but we're hopeful that things will get better. Um, bold steps taken by the current administration, palliatives being shared in some states right now. Some people have the, of the opinion that the things are not being done the way they're supposed to be. But hey, we believe that uh, you have your own perception of what uh, to contribute. 0705 that's 0705-149-3324 and 0915-091-0482. That's 0915-091-0482. A first call on the line. Hello, good morning to you. Hello. Yes, good morning. What's your name? Where are you calling from? I'm Chuchao Sobio. I'm calling from my hometown. 
it's only after diplomacy. Because because if you come to like in Big Asia now, those two days, there were no lights, cost of food we skyrocketed. So we are sharing a palliative and nothing. And it even increases the, the, the poverty uh, uh, level of the people. Mr. So, Chancellor, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. Please keep it simple. One minute, go straight to the point so that we can accommodate more calls. Um, 0705-149-3324 and 0915-091-0482. And just to remind you, hello, good morning. Hello, Princess. Yes, good morning. It's Radio Mama, I don't know, calling from us, as you said. Good morning to our guests there. Good morning, madam. Yes, I I I I can't engage in one of the programs when he was uh, uh, contesting. I told him your material, but you will win, not because you can't uh, do it. We have to go and contest in uh, Britain or America. Well, that's by the way. The new commentary today, checking the high rate of immigration in Nigeria, captures my thoughts about what is happening in this country. As an educationist, I know what the consequences of relegating the paper to the background is. Within the 100 days of this administration, what has happened now is that the FD keeps on trying to become uh, clever by heart, telling us that tuition fees are still uh, remain uh, free. But under their watch, the inviting have increased other charges, and most students cannot go back to school. The most welcome aspect is even the, the community colleges, which is under the purview of the federal government, they remove the subsidy debt. That most parents, school children, um, got admission, they get admission to um, unity schools, which is a basic education level, just one to three, you know, and all so on. They can't send their children, they get that admission. And then we're talking about out of school children, that has even increased it. Then the goal step about the people of first subsidy. Yes, it is a goal step. But that's goal step has ended up kind of uh, digging a new road to see that old one. And we're talking about insurance security. Now, no, no amount of privacy can feature the effect of the fair subsidy removal. So the only thing is that let our, uh, um, the families work, let us practice true federalism. I mean, federalism, the one that is true federalism, we say true because we know we're not practicing federalism. Let's practice fiscal federalism. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank all, you. Let's let the cost of government be reduced. Thank you very much, um, Madam Ada, for your contribution. Let me get back to my guests in the studio. We're still expressing your calls. You can keep them coming in 0705-149-3324 and 0915-091-0482. It's Radio Link. And um, I have my guests here with me in the studio. I'll get back to them now. Just to remind, uh, our first, our second caller mentioned uh, 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 Mr. Akoji, uh, I have here with me, just to remind us that I have um, with us in the studio, the Director of Special Duties and State Operations of the National Orientation Agency, NOA, Mr. David Akoji, and uh, we also have the man in charge of, that's the Chief Executive Officer of a non-governmental organization, Connected Development, Mr. Hamzat Lawal, and we also have the President, former presidential candidate of the African Democratic Congress, ADC, Mr. Dumibi Kachuko, with us here in the studio. Let me come to you now, Mr. Akuji. You're in charge of the, the National Education Agency Coordinating States. Yes. From what you have seen so far, the state governments 
they have come up with some policies at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we are certain of the policies that they, the, the state governments have come up with, considering the fact also that the total local government levels, as it, as, it, as it is today being practiced in our democracy, mm-hmm. are not functioning the way they should. How are these policies and what is generally done at that level affecting your work? In, in, in trying to change the minds of Nigerians and at the same time also benefiting the Nigerians in terms of development. You see, the, the point that um, Hamza Lawal made concerning uh, the situation in the local governments are uh, quite correct and apt. There's a lot of complicity. Um, sometimes even from uh, stakeholders in the local governments. You would recall that the outgoing uh, administration made frantic efforts towards local government autonomy in the uh, constitutional review that happened within that period. And this was vehemently fought. Uh, most state houses of assembly, uh, which were supposed to endorse some of these proposals, rejected them. They even rejected uh, autonomy for, I mean, uh, financial uh, direct funding for themselves. You know, so there's complicity. And it makes this challenge extremely difficult to resolve. Um, if we had functional local governments across this country, I'm telling you that the situation wouldn't be as bad as it is now. Like Hamza said, there's an absence of the contribution of local governments. And the Mabibi mentioned that the, the, the Constitution makes clear provisions as to what the role of local governments uh, ought to be. But then there's that glitch of the joint accounts, which still empowers, um, you know, the governors of the states to control the resources that ought to go to uh, the local governments, and that's a huge problem, you know. So you find uh, local government chairmen uh, conspiring with state governors to divert these funds, and it's happening in many states. You can count at your fingertips state governors that are not involved in these kinds of uh, infractions, and it impacts negatively on the delivery of governance, you know, at that local government level, and contributes monumentally to where we are today in terms of citizens' dissatisfaction with government, you know. So, so that, that's, that's where things are. The feedback we're getting, and which is why I said that there's a lot of difficulty, you know, and I've told you about the escalating prices of even staple foods at, at the lower levels, maize, gari, yam, you know, and all of this. We get these reports, you know, from the various states and local governments. And this, this food, uh, this is further escalated by the challenge of food security. People can go to farms, you know, uh, and then farm inputs have become very, very expensive because uh, quite a number of them are not uh, altogether manufactured locally, you know. So the cost of, uh, of food production is impacting on the cost of the final produce which people need to go to market and buy. So there are challenges uh, and um, citizens are looking up to government to provide solutions to, to these challenges. Is, 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 is the situation making your job difficult? Is it easy at the moment to convince Nigerians to believe in Nigeria and keep working hard to get to make Nigeria better? You see, the point that Dumedi made, he was really speaking for us. Um, some of the feedback we're getting from this administration is that they're going to prioritize national orientation agency. Our job is extremely difficult. It's difficult because of the total lack of funding. 
of the agency to do the work that it ought to do, to keep Nigerians informed as to the intent and purpose of policies of government, as to what to expect in terms of the impact that those policies would have in the short, medium, and long term, you know, and as to the benefits of those policies to the people, and also showing the people a path through which they can tread to have harness those benefits. So that gap is is actually hugely there. But the feedback we're getting from this administration is that there's going to be deliberate intention to prioritize the National Orientation Agency so it can effectively and impactfully play that role that Dumebi is talking about. Okay, let's hope that happens as soon as possible. Dumebi, from recent statistics and what we can see, even within this federal capital territory, Abuja here, poverty is a major challenge facing Nigerians right now. And it's not even a case of those that have been poor almost all their lives. We're talking about persons who used to do well, now falling down to that level of poverty where food or even sometimes transportation is a major problem. There are so many people today whose children will not be able to return to school on Monday. Not because they don't want to, but because they just cannot afford to. How can this current administration ensure that the right policies are put in place to ensure that Nigerians do not suffer the way they are suffering. What are the way forward? You were a presidential candidate. Is there some expo you'd like to give to them to make life better? I think it's very, it's very simple. Um, government has got to be in a position where they truly understand the challenges the people are facing. Um, sometimes, when you're, before you become president, it's easy for you to know and understand what's happening out there because you are closer to the streets. When you become president, you are insulated from a lot of these things. Your handlers tell you what they think you want to hear. They don't tell they when things when they tell you things that are negative, they make you believe that your enemies that are saying those things. They don't really want to tell you the truth or the sound of the streets. So when the president to hear the sound of the street, I believe that he will adjust himself. Something has happened um, when he was uh, when he was elected and um, when he got into office and how he reacted to feedback. It showed me that the president is going to be a president, right? He adjusted immediately. So it's important that we continue to make sure he gets feedback from the streets. Yes, Nigerians are suffering in the FCT. We see this. I'm not talking about local governments or um, in far-flung areas. I'm talking about FCT, where there's excruciating poverty and hardship. What should government do? I believe that what this president ought to have done was have suspended subsidy for a period of six months, ring fence, reinforce, reprocess, refine the subsidy regime, and bring it back, having admitted, arrested, and prosecuted all those in for, involved in fraud. I believe also that what this president ought to do is to eliminate crude oil theft bring that 60 billion into the economy of the country, 60 billion that he loses every month into the economy of the country. I believe that this president should not pay lip service to agriculture, that they should bring in serious experts who understand what needs to be done. We need to look at our um, uh, um, fork to farm model again in Nigeria. I believe that we need to look at diesel jobs. The president has been speaking about diesel jobs, was speaking about diesel jobs and actually having the right people in place is very important. Lastly, the greatest challenge in everything is the Nigerian people. We can have the most brilliant president in Nigeria, 
and you have the people you have to deal with who these people are, the antecedents. If we continue to be a mediocre people with mediocre attitude, mediocre, mediocre approach to everything, no matter what they do in Nigeria, it will not work. That's why I go back again to the National Orientation Agency. We need to change our attitude in Nigeria to our country. We need to change our attitude as a people who we are. It's very easy to hit blame on governments every day. But the truth is that who is government? We are all government. The people who are there are brothers and sisters. They live amongst us. Our attitude is very, very, very mediocre. We need to change our attitude to our country. We need to realize that everybody has a role to play in nation building. Nigeria is challenged right now, and I get tired of hearing President Tinubu, President Tinubu, President Tinubu. No, it's President Me. The biggest, the highest office in Nigeria, as our constituent as is the office of the Nigerian citizen. That's the highest office in Nigeria. What are you doing with that office? Well, we ought to take our place in that office. Nigeria will be much, much better for it. Talking about doing something with the office of the Nigerian citizen, Mr. Hamza Lawa. Let me come to you. Um, it's easy to say, oh, go out there, be a Nigerian citizen, do what is right. Uh, Mr. Kachiko mentioned a, a local government chairman who spoke out, who talked about anomaly, something that is not so, supposed to be done. I am talking about an elected local government chairman. He was shut down. And up to this moment, he's no longer speaking. And I'm sure he's suffering the consequences of trying to do the right thing. These are the things that some people will see and say, you know what, see, I don't have strength and I don't want to die. So how is that affecting the, the Nigerianness and the office of the citizen based on what you have experienced as somebody who has been speaking out for a long time with your fellow Dominion and Collective Development outfit? I think in the case of the local government is a case that it has now gotten that national attention. But this is something a lot of people face on a regular basis. You know, um, yes, we tell citizens that the power belongs to them, the power is in their hands. But this is also the conversation about the shrinking civic space. Mm. And we even had that conversation at the National Orientation Agency with journalists. Mm. You see, it's not only even an elected chairman. Even journalists are experiencing the same thing. You know, I know recently some journalists lost their accreditation to cover the president of the villa. Mm. It was just a few. And, and there was that big debate, oh, what is civil society doing about it? They also calm down on civil society. So it's... You know, it, it's just a shame that, um, you know, when voices are stiffened, some people live on the, the avenues where they try to use to get redress, they don't. But I think citizens cannot give up. And I totally agree with you, maybe. See, as citizens, the ball actually falls on our court. If Nigeria will succeed today, it means the citizens that will make Nigeria succeed. What's the president? The president is just there to direct, guide and oversee. And I think this is where we need to reflect and truly ask the right questions and speak to ourselves honestly without mising words and put aside all these issues that divide us. Because see, when the price of food went up, 
Nobody care what your religion is. Nobody care what religion you belong to. Nobody care who you are. Each and every one of us cute or what political party we cute and we pay the same price. Nobody got discount because they belong to one certain class. And you see, the, the irony of all of this is people that could afford basic cannot afford basic. People that could afford public transportation now families are struggling to even eat one time a day. They don't even care if it's a decent meal or if it's a nutritious meal. They just want to fill their stomach. Now people cannot pay hospital bills. Go to the hospital, public hospitals. They cannot even afford that. You know, children are resuming on Monday. A lot of them cannot even go back to school. So I think we need to reflect and ask ourselves and take stock. We're practicing democracy now. Thank God nobody has toppled our government and nobody has interfered in our democracy. But democracy gives power to the people. How are we using this power? How are we going to consolidate and use it collectively? Because I've continued to learn that power is you know is created by a collective of people and then shared to ensure fairness equity and justice. How can we equitably distribute power and re redistribute wealth so that Nigeria could prosper? But most importantly, we've lost identity. And I hope that truly this government does not provide its relief service to the National Orientation Agency. Because we continue to lose our identity. And a lot of young people like myself are only talking about Japa syndrome. But what happens to our country, our own country, where we are not second class citizens? Because it's only in Nigeria. And you and I will beat our chest and say, this is truly home for us. So, my sister, I think first is for, for us to tell ourselves the truth. The second is, we cannot run the country without consequence. When I was younger, when I, if I go home from school and I take a toy of my classmate, I get punished for bringing something that does not belong to me, which contentment is taught at the family unit. But today, we run a society where you take a G-Mark on a Mercedes home, nobody questions you, rather they celebrate you. You steal public resources and you get chief title rather than being called out or being prosecuted. So if we run this kind of yeah, mediocre society where there are no consequences, then everybody will say, well, since there are no consequences, it is only when you do bad things that you get recognized and you get admonishment. Then that means this bad thing that is not a new good thing. And that's certainly where we are right now. We will be looking extensively into that and have that conversation here. But the phone lines are open again for you to be a part of the conversation. This is Radio Link and it's reaching you live on the network service of Radio Nigeria. 0705-149-3324. That's 0705-149-3324. And 0915-091-0482. Once a call is connected, we'll take them as they come. And uh, don't forget that um, every caller has just one minute. So we'll go straight to the point. Tell us your name, where you're calling from and make your contribution. Mr. Uh, Akoji, it's uh, listening to this conversation and having it with the theory of it's over that we have issues that we're dealing with as, as a people. It's not something that anybody needs to pretend about or try to make, make, it, make it look beautiful. But we're trying to also find a solution as well. Mr. Hansard made a point that we all need to address on this table, which is the point of reward, not re rewarding um, excellence and um, too much attention. Okay, we'll have a call on the line. Hello, good morning. Yeah, this is the radio senator, Mr. Andrew Ajayi. Good to have I you, Mr. Ajayi. Good morning, sir. Yes, I, I call you from the packet. 
Have you seen the transportation? And I want to say good greetings to your studio guests. They have contributed fantastically, even including yourself. Uh, let me say that for me, uh, there are so many things wrong with our country, Nigeria, as we have been monitoring. It looks as if we are repeating mistakes of yesteryear. This palliative that we talk about, as long as we decided to say, okay, we are removing the fee subsidy, whether rightly or wrongly, once we start the palliative, Mr. President of the country, the 68 governors, ministers, House of the Assembly, senators, and all Nigerians ought to be part of the subsidy collection because we are all citizens of Nigeria. The idea that politicians have coined over the years to now start telling us that those who will receive subsidy only are the poorest of the poorest, are the this and that and that, is not correct because everyone, whether you are rich or poor in the country, when a nation is going through challenges, you know, subsequently the way Nigeria is going through, all citizens must be provided for. So, if I were Mr. President, this palliative of the bag of rice that they are sharing now that will only end up in the pockets of the, or in the kitchen of the TBP to city people as it were, as the control federal and state government and local government, I would have called the bank executive in Nigeria to see how many Nigerians have bank accounts. We will give them issue to start that thousand or ten thousand. When people see that alas in their thing, they will say, ah, so we thank God for the president who is remembering us and bless the state governors. Why this we don't have accounts? We will try and go and see how to also do for them. And that makes me to now say, I advocate here once again, the name of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, that we need a comprehensive data bank where all Nigerian data will be there so that if we have any need to do anything that is collective to everybody, we will just go and pay this data bank. How do you get this data bank? Good for research, good for INEC, good for NEMSI, good for all, all the telecommunication and blend them together and now do crossing the teeth and touching the eyes, then Nigeria will have the better than to provide for what I call national social security, like it's happening in U.S. Kingdom and elsewhere where our people are not jackering to as if uh, they don't even love Nigeria. I know Nigerians love Nigeria. And let Mr. President, in the name of God Almighty, sit down and stop traveling up and down. Hundred days in office. How many times have you traveled out of this country? Did you just go to a president to just be traveling anyhow? Let them sit down in this country, get the earbuds together, and begin to philosophically and sociologically think about education, think about health, think about how to revamp every year that concerns our life, so that when this president is going out, he will be crying to say, Mr. President, stay somewhere. But once Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Andrew Ajayi, according from Tlaka Day. This is Radio Link and we're teaching you live on the network service of Radio Nigeria. We'll take a short break at this time and when we come back, I'd like to remind you again that uh, we will continue the conversation on accessing the 100 days in office of the present administration, both at state, local and federal government level. Stay with us. Radio Nigeria. And uniting the nation. Thank you. 
Orientation Agency plus Federal Ministry of Information and Culture bring you this message. 
Radio Nigeria, uplifting the people and uniting the nation. All right, good to have you join us once again. Thank you for staying tuned to the network service of Radio Nigeria. This is Radio Link, and my guests are still here with me in the studio. We're talking about assessing the 100 days in office of the present administration, looking at the state, local, and federal level, and the situation that we're going through as people in the country today. I have my guest, the Director Special Duties and State Operations of the National Orientation Agency, NOA, Mr. David Akoji, and we also have the Chief Executive Officer of a non-governmental organization, Connected Development, Mr. Hamzat Lawal, and uh, the former presidential candidate of the African De Democratic Congress, ADC, Mr. Dumebi Kachuku. Just to remind you, please, our dear listener, we appreciate you, and don't forget that for every caller, we give just one minute so that we can accommodate as much calls as possible. The number is to call once again, 0705-149-3324, 0705-149-3324, and 0915-091-0482. So I was, um, before we took the break, I was trying to, you know, talk about some of the things that the points that Mr. Hamza Lawa raised and yes. I was coming to you Mr. David uh, Mr. Koji. Mm. It's about the reward for bad deeds. There's, there seems to be a culture of doing doing right not paying. There seems to be that culture right now. Undefined sort of unwritten but from what we see today people will say if you want to eat commit crime, commit big ones so that you can take some money from your chest pocket to sort it out. And we have seen that play out uh, on, 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 at the national and state level. What, what, what role do you think the National Orientation Agency can play? And from what you have seen so far, because it's going to be multi-dimensional as the <laughs> because it's a major problem and your agency, the National Orientation Agency, has a responsibility, even though you're complaining about funding, which I understand very well, and a lot of Nigerians will also understand there, is, there seems to be a culture that is not working for Nigeria and Nigerians at the moment, which is rewarding non-excellence, rewarding evil with chieftaincy titles and recognition. Uh, even at you, you, university level, you see you know, some of these institutions different for persons with questionable character. How can we address all of that while we're talking about handling Nigeria as a nation? That picture that Hamzat painted is a picture of a certain future unless we do strong interventions on a consistent basis. A dangerous future, you know? And um, this challenge is found in every sector of our national life. And it's very sad. There was a time in this country where the village headmaster enjoyed more attention than the rich trader who had a lot of money. What that meant was that more uh, priority and attention was paid to intellect rather than the mere fact that one possessed a lot of money. It is not so today. And this is manifesting, like I said, in every aspect of our national life. Today, people go to university because they want that certificate as a meal ticket. 
not that they want to open up their intellectual horizons and capacity and ability to solve problems. And that is why we have so many graduates who do not have workplace skills, who have not paid attention to develop their minds towards problem solving. We just think that that certificate is an end unto itself, you know, and it gives you entry into places where you can then go and steal public uh, funds. Dumebi was very, very much on point when he brought all of this to the doorstep of attitudinal change. And that attitudinal change is, is extremely important. National Orientation Agency does not lack the capacity or the capability or the national footprint in terms of spread to be able to pursue the attainment of attitudinal uh, change, you know. Um, concerning the component of corruption, because you did make this question multidimensional, even in our context of inadequate and next to nothing funding, I will explain to you a few things that we have done. We have collaborated, for instance, with the Independent Corrupt Practices and other related offenses commission to come out with a national policy on ethics and integrity. You know, that policy is out there. We've been taking it from state to state, engaging with religious leaders, uh, traditional rulers, women groups, and youth groups to emphasize and to teach these ethics, some of them are contained in our Constitution, 1999 is chapter 2, section 23. It speaks to uh, social justice, speaks to religious uh, tolerance, speaks to patriotism, uh, speaks to um, integrity, you know. And these are the elements that are lacking in our national life today that's putting us uh, in where we are. I am very, very, very glad about the interventions that Dumebi has made in this place. It shows that he has deep knowledge, you know, of the things that are necessary to do to bring this country to where it ought to be. And I wish that in the future someone like Dumebi would emerge as president in this uh, country based on the patriotic favor that I hear, you know, from his content, from the content that he's uh, putting out. The mere fact that he recognizes the role, the critical role that National Orientation Agency should play, you know, in changing our attitude. Because that's a huge part of the problem. You know, we want to drive Bugatti without any industry. You know, we want to jump. And this attitude you find even in secondary school students. A child in secondary school at that secondary school stage wants to drive a Bugatti. So some people uh, uh, argue that that's a result of what they, they, they what they're looking at, what they see every day. It's a result. They are a result of the society that they grow up in, which is. There's a reward given for persons who are not doing the right thing. And so they look up, this is all their lives, this is what they have seen. Mm -hmm. They can see the process through which this person got there. Mm -hmm. It's flawed, it's, there's a problem in the process. And so they, people, we're not excusing uh, bad character or doing evil, but we're saying, some people argue that the processes and the things that they see the, the, the things and the way they behave is a result of their immediate environment and the things they are exposed to. Hmm. But you see, there are countries where uh, ill-begotten wealth is not celebrated. And again, it's attitude. That's what Dumebi was talking about. If I cannot trace the source of your wealth, you do not own any factory that produces any goods. 
and you have such stupendous wealth. I should not respect you. I shouldn't. And also, if I know that your wealth is a product of corruption, then I should not respect you. The way we have today, as a result of the kind of attitude we have, and this is percolating down generations, that's a scary picture that uh, Hamza just painted. And I said, unless we have strong, consistent interventions, which NOA is capable of providing, that we are going to find ourselves in the nearest future in a society that, uh, uh, you know, nobody will be happy about. You know, and it all goes to attitude. There are places where people question your source of wealth. How did you acquire the assets that you have? It's an issue, you know. And for 10 years, somebody can be tracking that until they find out how. You don't gain respect unless your wealth is legitimate and reproduces in such a way that it affects other lives. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Kachuku, the all of this conversation will boil down to education, awareness, knowing your rights as a citizen. The education sector today as it is has issues. We understand that the increments in school fees, so many children will not be able to get back to school. The, as it is right now, the education sector, how do we ensure that our children are able to afford education and what should we be teaching them? What should we be talking about? Because sometimes they say, why are you still telling me about Mary Slenser? Why am I still hearing about Mungo um, uh, uh, Park? Uh, what, am I, what are we supposed to be doing since we understand that we have issues that we need to handle with that sector? I'm sure you can see me smiling because uh, when you were speaking, you're talking about education sector has issues. <laughs> I, don't, I think uh, issues is an understatement. Um, a nation that does not understand that education is the foundation and bedrock of civilization is a nation that is um, determined to fail. Um, if we see our approach to education in the last two decades, you can see that um, we don't value education as a country. I was watching um, to see the approach this government will take in addressing education. I wanted to see who they're going to appoint as a minister because for us, um, if we've gotten it wrong till now, what are our plans as a country for the future? And the future speaks about educating our children today and our children yet unborn. What are our plans for those people? Are we still going to continue with the same age-old um, education practice? Or are we going to reform our education system, look at education for now and for the future? Are we still, do we still believe that um, our education is just about producing doctors, engineers, and lawyers, and what have you, or are we going to produce an educated populace that has the wherewithal to address the challenges of a modern world? As the world becomes a global village, we see the role of technology at play, and we see that our children are limited. They don't have the tools and resources. Internet that is a right in most nations in Nigeria still remains a privilege. Our education is so backward here. If 
with using um, technology, we can leapfrog and get to where other nations are. But what I have seen is that we have this attitude that suggests that by any means necessary, you don't have to go to school to become rich. Why take education seriously? Mm-hmm. We have this attitude that suggests that their thoughts can become governor tomorrow. Why take education seriously? That's attitude that suggests that if you get money by any means necessary, you can attain professor or be called a doctor. Why then take education seriously? So we choose to undermine education and we are going backwards. Nigeria is not where it's supposed to be or where it used to be. We are going backward. Government has got to pay attention to education. Otherwise, if you see what's happening today with our youths in Nigeria who are the core of our population. Nigeria is about to implode. Our youth are destroying the fabric of our country. Our girls are prostitutes, our boys are here who voice criminals. This is the future of Nigeria. That is their reaction to what they have seen in society. They are reacting to their parents, they are reacting to government, they are reacting to society, and their approach is will bring everything down. What is then the future of Nigeria where you have a situation where most of our girls are into position, are used kill for 5,000 naira, and their parents sponsor people to go and learn Yahoo, or when a girl brings 500,000 naira home, nobody questions her, where is the source of this money? What do we then do about our society? It again boils down to orientation, our culture as a people. If we don't take this issue seriously, I am sorry, I am worried about the future of this entity called Nigeria. We need to take this issue very, very seriously. Okay, I like like the use of some when you mention prostitution. And uh, because I I know and I see hard-working Nigerians every day. Mr. Hamzat Lawal, the flood is something that we have dealt with over and over and over again. And some people of some Nigerians say, well, we'd wait for it to come and then kill a few persons. We count the numbers, send in NEMA or SEMA, spend some money, and then we wait again for the next year for it to happen again. Currently in Nigeria, flood has ravaged some areas. Lives are being lost, properties being destroyed. Do you see what is currently going on as a way, um, the response by the federal and state governments helping in any way to help the victims of flood in Nigeria? Um, you know, I had said I would not discuss flood again because I think I understand. Raised so much awareness, I will discuss it. And I remember in 2012 flooding. We followed the money, some from us got 200, some 500, out of the billions that Jonathan's government released at that time. So, I would just say that as 
the president discussed with G20 and other world leaders. Let him ask for a partnership that is fair and that also shows equity in the sense that we need technology transfer. We need resources for loss and damages. You know, we need mitigation and adaptation strategy. Maybe they can transfer some of the knowledge that they have, how they've tackled some of this climate change and natural disaster effects. But also I think that when you look at Lukoja, for instance, who have we not treated? This Cameroonian dam would continue to continue to open the dam and release excessive water. And then Nigeria would absorb this water. Why can't we dredge some of our rivers? Why do we always just allow some ports in the country become a source of revenue? Why can't we extend? Nigeria is vast and we have different states that are viable. So for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm tired of discussing flood. I, I saw the passion and, and a bit of tears in your eyes when we mentioned flood, and you referred to 2012. I witnessed that also as a journalist. I went around the country and I saw hell. I saw what people went through. It's not something that anybody should experience. And we see most of the victims are women and children. And we just keep waiting for these things to happen over and over again. And then we're just hearing that some of the victims of last year's flooding are just receiving palliative um, almost a year after. Um, Mr. Akoji, the head sector of Nigeria, you supervise the sector of the National Orientation Agency that visits states and local governments and you reach the people, the communities, the feedback you're getting, it is obvious that we have health issues in this country. The sector is very critical aspect and it requires attention. What do you think this current government and administration at every level can do to help people from dying? Yesterday somebody was telling me about how he traveled to his village and noticed that young persons are dying and it's a result of very little things that can be taken care of because there are no health centers, mm. there are no facilities mm. that people just die like chickens and they're buried and they may be able to move on. There are two aspects to solving that problem, but I'd also like to make a little contribution to the challenge of flooding. Uh, in 2012, I was a member nominated from the National Orientation Agency of the Presidential uh, Committee on Flood Relief and Rehabilitation. And I worked even up until, I would say now, because we, that committee has not been formally disbanded, you know. Uh, Private sector captains made tremendous contributions, you understand, in terms of funding uh, what went on at that time. And uh, centers were built in every, every state of this country where at times like this when flood becomes a threat, those living at the riverbanks and who are at risk of this flood were expected to relocate to those places. I visited every one of those centers across this country alongside other members of the uh, Presidential Flood Relief Committee at that time. The challenge you have is not a lack of sensitization, you know, and that's why I said I would look at it from a different angle. The angle that um, Hamza spoke about is extremely relevant in terms of providing long-lasting solutions. But in terms of saving lives, 
you know, that are at risk even as we speak. The attitude we have noticed is that in spite of the sensitization, the awareness creation, and the engagement with those living along these river, river banks, they always go back to the same place. You understand? They refuse to move. And perhaps that is understandable because the, the, the river is tied to their means of livelihood. You know, but at times like this, when an announcement comes to say, look, there's risk of flooding, citizens should move to safe grounds so that we minimize lives that are lost. You know, that's one. In terms of the health uh, issue, there are two dimensions. Um, the uh, National Health Insurance Authority is doing tremendous work, and we at National Orientation Agency are working with them at the level of creating awareness of the various products to cater for health that the National Health Insurance uh, Policy will provide. So I would want to use this medium to urge people at that level to enroll you understand, to, 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 them, to get themselves to understand, you know, the, the relief that comes with being enrolled into the national health insurance um, uh, uh, policy. And we're working closely with them to like, um, so far, since this effort started, we've been to like uh, nine states, you know, the National Orientation Agency now alongside uh, the, the National Health Insurance Authority. And what we're doing is training NOA community orientation and mobilization officers in the various communities to understand this products and to explain the benefits. Are we explaining this product to market women, to farmers? Absolutely. This is this is what it is. First way training is unfolding is that I'm describing to you. The products are already available but the awareness is unfolding. You know and what we're doing is training national orientation agency uh, community orientation and mobilization officers. You know that's one leg. The second leg that I spoke about to address these health issues at community level is government must pay attention to community health centers. And I hope the Minister of Health will prioritize this. The previous administration made some attempts. They said they were going to revamp community health centers in every local government, you know. Uh, but the delivery on that was sort of slow and, and, and largely incomplete. So if that these two angles are tackled, I think we would go a long way in solving the health challenges at, at the community level. Uh, Mr. Kachuko, health uh, women's empowerment and um, gender equality are essential for inclusive development. But Nigerian women are struggling right now. They're trying to gain some force and put, put their best foot forward to try to be a part of um, what uh, is supposed to be normal, bringing women in to contribute their quota to the development of their nation because it's who they are, where they live. But we seem to um, see a lot of resistance happening and women still struggle. What can be done to ensure that women do not suffer much as much as they're doing right now? Okay, good question. I'm going to speak with you about health. Um, David spoke about the component of health. I hope he will speak um, holistically because health is an ecosystem and we say that ecosystem has completely failed in Nigeria. Uh, doctors, healthcare professionals are living in Nigeria and drugs. Nigeria is in dire straits. We're in trouble. Um, it's, not, it's not about the um, insurance um, uh, policies and what have you. Um, it's about the system. The system has collapsed. We don't have personnel there and we are hugely impacted as a country. I hope this government will do something very quickly to stem the tide of all those people leaving. Every day, the hospital I go to, 
I've noticed that every time I go there, there's a new doctor. The doctor was there before has gone. Nurses have gone. They keep on changing. But people are leaving every day. We don't understand the impact of this. Corona has not gone. If you know what's going on right now, hospitals are full again. Corona is back and where people are taking our healthcare professionals. If we have a major pandemic, we are in trouble. Second thing about um, about women, I keep on saying that um, the world had an approach before where they spoke about women, taking women um, in silos and catering to women. I believe that if you build a society that works for all, that women will thrive. Everyone is impacted in the world in which we live today. Everyone is fused together. We need to build a society that works for all. Women will thrive. We have seen in Nigeria that women in the private sector, where they be given opportunity, they are doing extremely well. We are seeing women as captains of industry, CEOs, banks, and what have you, and we see them doing well. Women need to have opportunity and they will try. We just need to make society inclusive for all We just need to make society work and women will do much better. Do you see that happening right now? Absolutely not. A society that does not protect its women is a society doomed to failure. We are not protecting our women in our society today. We need to do more to protect women. We have a situation where where this society, our society seems to suggest that men and women are not at par. We need to address that imbalance in our society. If we see the way women are even treated when their husbands die or the girl education is being handled in Nigeria and what have you, we have accepted this as a way of life due to religious reasons and social, social cultural reasons. We need to understand that where the world is going, we see that women are leading the charge, the charge into, into the new world. What are women doing? Our women are taking a backseat because they are most impacted by the figures in our society. We need to redress that. We need to balance out this, um, this equation and ensure that our women are poised and positioned to lead us the charge into, the, into this new age. Government needs to do more, but beyond government. He mentioned when he talked about health, about the role that uh, private organizations play than um, when they raise money and what have you. I keep on saying this. Government, as, government cannot continue to be the only one solving the problem of society. We all have a role to play. Our big many people recognize as the richest people in society and what have you. They all have a role. We all have a role to play in all of this. Our voices are important. We continue our continuing our voices. We speak of NOA, we now have to speak about the media. What is the role of the media in addressing our societal problems? Radio Nigeria and other media organizations, what is the role we play? How do we sustain programs? We can, we're speaking about issues today, but we cannot speak about these issues as issues of the moment. We sustain that conversation. One of the challenges you see in society is that we make issues of the moment and the next day is gone. There's another breaking news. We move on to the next issue and we never come up with problems to our um, with solutions to our many problems in Nigeria. The media has a role, a huge role to play. NOA, partnering with the media, will do a whole lot in society. But the funniest thing you see that NOA will come to, come to talk to you guys. You guys want money. 
you guys don't do not understand that. Yes, you say airtime is expensive, but you don't understand that if you devote a part of your own resources towards their issues, what they are trying to do, we all help society, we all help make our society a better place. The media, the famous of our constitution, and this is a situation when the exec, if the executive fails, you have the legislation. If this legislation fails, you still have the judiciary. If the judiciary fails, then we see that you have the media as a check and balance on society. And if the media were to feel like they have failed today, you have the Nigerian people there to hold society. That's Everyone has failed. Nigerian people, media, executive, legislation, judiciary. What are we to do now? Over to you. Hmm. Over to you, Jack Listener. 0705-149-3324. Make a contribution. What do you have to say? What is your assessment of 100 days in office of the current administration? What Hello. have you seen at the local level? Where you are? What's happening in your local government? Your state's government? And if Thank you're you. in the FCT, what do you think is going on? How, what, what the development, the policies of government, have they affected your immediate environment and your personal life? 075. Okay, we'll have a call on the line. Hello, good morning. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yes, my sweet sister, it's me, Andrew Ajayi, the radio senator. Let Hello, Mr. Ajayi. Hello. Hello. Yes, I can hear you. Thank God you have the MOA man there. Yes. <laughs> yes, I want to say that for so long the time in this country, even right from the time E.G. Farouk was DGNOE, I have personally met him to say, let us see how we can talk about character information in Nigeria. Because one of the things that is killing us, right from federal, state and local government, from succeeding administration, is that our political, our political leadership, they robbed Nigeria in the sense that when a road project is supposed to cost one billion, go and check the original contracting papers. They will tell you it is one hundred billion. And by the time the contractors give them their own, we don't have money to develop Nigeria's health sector and healthcare anymore. So if we can get the President Bola Ahmed Tinumbu's government to focus in this area to kill inflated contracts, the more money that are being stolen from corruption, corrupt practices, can now be concentrated on national social development. Please go and take a look at my book, The Nigerian Versus Corruption, Two Ways, Understanding How to Be Found Worthy in Character. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Andrew Ajayi. Um, Hey, you made uh, your contribution, 0705, you want to be a part of the conversation, let's talk, uh, let's know what's going on in your part of the country. The program is audience participatory, and you can always be a part of the conversation. We'll have another call on the line. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Tell us your name and where you're calling from. My name is Chief Jude Obad, I'm calling from Imo State. Well, the journey so far by Nigeria since the 100 days of uh, Tinubu administration, I mean, has been that of uh, economic uh, lamentations and tales of woes. I mean, occasioned by the sudden removal of the payment of uh, subsidy on fuel, which has added uh, to the excruciating economic pains Nigerians have been passing through even before now. This is not to say that this is not certainly a uh, 
penalty, a death penalty for armed robbery was in place, and that has been removed. We must apologize to the families of those who their, pe their people were killed because they robbed. Because what we are seeing is happening in this country today. People stealing billions of naira, and they are asked to do, go and do plea bargain, and they go scot free. What kind of a country is this? We cannot succeed unless if we go back to the drawing board and institute a situation whereby there will consequences for any wrong action. Thank you very much, Mr. Ibrahim, uh, for your contribution. Thank you so much. Mr. Hamzat, I was asking you a question before the call uh, connected, that the collaborative effort between local state, because we, we feed policies and counter policies, and at the end of the day, nothing is really going on, we're just moving in circles, not achieving much. Is there some way that there will be proper collaboration between the state, local, and uh, federal government? Yes. First, let's make the local government autonomous. Let's ensure that they get their resources as a way directly to the local government accounts. I know, yes, there's a joint account between the state and the local government. Let's separate it so that EFCC, ICPC can actually undertake thorough forensic audits when a case of anti-corruption is flagged. I think Mr. President needs to sit with the chairman of all the several and for local government and create a forum where the president directly interacts with the local government chairman directly. I know this council of state where the president meets with all the 36 state governors, but we need a forum where the president directly meets the local government chairman, interacts with them, get feedback from them. Because if the president wants to lead the renewed hope agenda, it is the local government that are meant to be the custodian of this renewed hope uh, agenda for the Nigerian people that he has promised them. So for me, this would go a long way to strengthen you know, that collaborative effort between the federal government and local government authority, you know, authorities. Not that I'm you know, taking away the state governors, no, but I think they already have enough platform and enough room. There is no week where the, gov the president does not even interact with at least 10 state governors. We've not seen him directly interact with local government chairman because these are also elected executives mm -hmm. in their various uh, local government um, administrative authorities. So I think if that can happen, it will help strengthen that collaborative effort. Fantastic. Mr. Kachuko, uh, we're winding down now. Nigeria is blessed with huge natural human and every resource there available. But we're not, we seem not to be making as much use of these resources that we have uh, been blessed with as a nation. We have um, a new administration in place and a minister has been appointed to handle that ministry. Do you see some reforms happening in that sector? And if you were the president as of today, what would you expect to be the driving force of the minister? of industry, trade, and investments? Um, aside from South Minerals, um, I believe that um, uh, with the new minister there, I believe that there's going to be a new focus and there's going to be new energy in that ministry. Um, 
I think that this president is going to do something different. Um, I believe that a president who spoke during his, uh, his campaign about fiscal federalism and taking Nigeria in a new direction, he will look at all avenues to address the issues we have in that area. The world is moving away from fossil, fossil fuel. But Nigeria is so blessed that as a country, where the world is going, we happen to still be blessed in that area. That's how blessed we are as a country. But it just so happens that the oil we have belongs to everybody. The solid minerals we have belong to a few individuals. I believe that this president will address that issue and make sure that they bring that into the, the common buckets of the country. Looking at trade, tourism, um, trade and investment, I'm seeing the outcome from President's trip um, in India. I see the promised investment. Investment starts from your own people. Your own people determine your investment climate. If your people are ready to invest in the country, it means there is an investment climate. But if your people are doing Jabba, it means that there's no investment climate. We have multifaceted issues in Nigeria. Security is a challenge. Our open borders are a challenge. Corruption at the ports and in other places are a huge challenge here. Got, um, civil service is a challenge in Nigeria. We have infrastructural deficits. Our economy has time. We have major problems, right? And all these problems, the common factor is the human being. Those who lead and those who follow. I don't propose what I call Nigerian Patriot Act, an act that simply says that if those people who lead us, public officials, our governors, our civil servants, everyone, if they will share in our common problems as a people will solve our problems, that means if governors, ministers, House of Assembly members, House of Representatives, if they are all forced to use our public hospitals, if their children are forced to use our schools, if they are forced to travel by road when they are traveling within Nigeria, if they are forced to use power as if NEPA or ADC takes light and they, they, they don't use generators, if they remove boreholes from their houses, they will be forced to solve these problems. This law should also apply to directors of private companies who operating license derived from government. If we make sure that everyone, the higher mighty society, share in our common problems, you will see that within three to six months, our problems will be solved. But as long as our problems remain the problem of the masses, they will pay a tokenist approach towards solving this problem. And this is what we are seeing today. We have to take our problems and our problems in a new direction. Mr. Nesakoji, mm. we have a, a, a new Minister of Mines and State Development. Mm -hmm. We have natural resources in each and every state of the of the Federation. Mm -hmm. We also notice that there seems to be collaboration between the Ministry and state governors and governments generally. Do you think there's, there are modalities to, that can be put in place right now to ensure that the, their policies are, put, um, are made to ensure that the resources are extracted the right way and to the benefit of the citizens? You know, because uh, uh, with reference to the current Minister for Solid Minerals, the initial thinking 
was that he would be deployed to the Ministry of Information. Exactly. Because of his background, mm. you know. But we also know that he's very close to the president, has been that close for many years, and that the president has confidence in his capacity to deliver. I have personally listened to him, you know, speak on what to expect from his leadership style in that sector, in the solid mineral sector, even as of now. Uh, and the body language that he exudes currently as we speak shows that we should expect some strong reforms coming from that sector. You know that unconfirmed reports indicate that uh, with regards to gold, for instance, that Nigeria is losing over a billion dollars annually. You know, in terms of gold that is illegally extracted and exported out of this country illegally uh, also. Uh, he has said that he'll put a stop to that, that people will be brought to book, that people should now uh, follow the regulation as stipulated, get registered and become formal so that government gets the uh, resource benefits that it ought to get, you know, from that sector. So I would say that we should expect to see significant changes that will translate into economic benefits, you know, for our country. The body language of the president has shown that um, he really wants to diversify the economy and then he wants to improve uh, on revenue generation. Because clearly, a lot more revenue than we are seeing now is needed to turn around our country. All right, we have a few minutes to go. We would like to open the phone lines once again for you to make a contribution. This is Radio Link. We're talking as the 100 is in office of the present administration. The number good is morning. 0705. Good morning, Mr. Princess. Hello, good morning. Good morning, sister. Very good morning, I get to the studio. My name is Comrade Mazi Patrick Okrofa. I'm calling from Atari Arutu in Adjusted. Thank you, sister. Communities use our local languages and educate Nigerians on the federal government policies. Tell Nigeria that the federal government said there is no tuition fee for the Premier College of Education University so that Nigerians will be aware. Because many people are not aware of all this. And there is need that people have to do. The federal government said no increment in terms of a meter, meter. But the teachers the have increased the meter from 40,000 to 86,000, which is not early. And I want to find out from our case. It is the job of national education agency. Put a look at government. Tell them that the government brought balloting. It is social so people that will help you and deliver all these things. But national education agency choose the billboard. It will help us. Thanks all these things to look at language. It will help us. Now, my sister, I want to find out for you. You have been that talking with people for the past two hours. What does it take Nigeria that we have over 100 people in this state that is higher than the state government budget. Can the national education agency talk to some of you who say that they bring out this money and help Nigeria cushion the tax? Because they will tell you that help you help themselves. What are those who are they going to do the with that money to go and sow cloth and the money they're And people are suffering. If you listen to your program, you are talking free from 8 to cross the man. People have been complaining bitterly. Honestly speaking, tuition fee, all the federal investments, they have increased it. Red Cross Polytechnic. If you want me to talk now, I will leave the names of the magistrate, but there is no... 
orientation agency do the needful. Not every day you see that one, one minute will come and go. No, no, no. Every day, natural orientation, go and do your work. Now or never. Good morning. Mazo Krafo from out in other states. Good morning, Mazo Krafo. Mazo Krafo for your contribution. That is uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I understand uh, Mazo Krafo's uh, sentiments and the emotion and passion with which he has spoken. And to a large extent, from the point of view of the citizen, he is uh, correct. There's a lot of expectations of the National Orientation Agency, and it underscores why that agency is important and should be resourced properly to carry out consistent, ongoing conversations with citizens on behalf of government. We have a call on the line. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Thank you for joining us on Radio Link. What's your name? Where are you calling from? My name is Fizal Oyenete, and I'm calling from Owere in Timo State. There, there is a gap between the government and the government in this country, and it has to be bridged. Part of the work bridging it, especially now, is to concentrate on things that will improve the well-being of the people. Bringing down the issue of uh, the prices of petroleum products to affordable prices, making the people get what they want at this particular time, ensuring that you build more confidence in the, in, of the people in the government of the day. And you can only do this by engaging the people. We appreciate the fact that the government means well for them. Part of what we are going to do is to ensure that everybody is carried along in governance. All these things are the only way we can carry the people along and let our politicians, our religious leaders, that their utterances, they speak and talk anyhow, spoiling the minds of the people against the government and not giving the impression that anything can happen and nothing will happen to them when they cause all this mayhem and chaos. There is need for us to build the new very, very well so that people will have confidence in the government and do what they are supposed to do. Thank you and God bless you and see the nomination. Thank you. God bless you too. Mr. Uh, Kachiko, let's quickly look at infrastructure before we go. Um, the infrastructure development in the country is crucial for nations building and progress. What we have today, we cannot say we've gotten to where we need to be. We're still in the process of getting Nigeria better is still there. Uh, how do you think the new ministers, I listened to the, the Minister of Works this morning talking vibrantly and ensuring that things are done right. But do you have any words for him? Well, I would say this. Um, infrastructure development has to do with um, its tied to the revenue base of the country, right? So um, if they're able to improve their revenue base, then they will be able to do more in the area of infrastructure. One of the biggest challenges in infrastructure development is the issue of budgeting. Uh, our contracts are overly inflated. So you have the money that you use to do um, to do one kilometer of road, right? Or the money you tie attached to one road, you can use it to do a hundred roads. Um, I hope that this minister will take a different path, take it a, a different approach to that. I understand that he, he, he's moving away from asphalt roads to concrete roads. Um, they are more expensive, but they are more durable. I hope that approach works for Nigeria. But in doing that, we also know that that money means that more money goes to the likes of Dangote and uh, 
and Boah, considering that those guys have not been loyal or patriotic to the Nigerians in terms of increasing prices when they didn't have any need to increase prices and were giving more money to them. I don't know. I don't know how that. Um, I don't know how that um, affects us. But I'm hoping that this minister will be able to do more than other ministers have done. Again, everything is tied to the revenue base of the country. Mr. Hamza Lawa, let's quickly look at the agricultural sector. We talked a bit about it earlier. The insecurity and the the has affected greatly agricultural production and productivity as well. It has also affected the price of food in our today's markets. What can be done? For me, what gives me hope is the, the, the national security advice and the new security issues. I believe that uh, a concerted effort by them engaging intelligence and responding to this intelligence gathered and mobilizing resources to tackle this insecurity would help crash um, food prices and get farmers back to the markets. I want to also speak to the president particularly about engaging young people in agriculture because this is a value chain that can create millions of jobs. And when do we get our Minister of Youth and Development? Because uh, it is young people that actually inform the outcome of the 2023 general election because Mr. President became victorious because of the role of young people. And today we don't have a Minister of Youth Development and I think Mr. President needs to look at this and appoint a young person. Maybe he's searching and doesn't want a situation that look, like what happened before, where the rejection, <laughs> where there was a rejection of okay, you can't put somebody who has used that that age to supervise or oversee us. Uh, Mr. Koji, uh, on a final note and in specific terms, um, let's look at the security challenges. Is that affecting your job as well at the NOA? Yeah, I just came back from Sokoto, uh, where we went to hold engagements around strategic communications and healing of memories, reconciliation, you know, in terms of the crisis that's going on in the Northwest with the bandit fee, you know, and the way people are suffering. But um, the body language of the president has shown that uh, strong measures will be put in place. Uh, one of the things he has immediately done is the change of, uh, in our security architecture. You know, there are new actors in place now at the hems of affairs in our security uh, agencies. And a lot of them are visiting these spots, you know, and engaging with our security personnel on ground, you know, and there's a conversation around kinetic and non-kinetic. And the feelers I got in Sokoto when I was there this week uh, is that a lot of those bandits are becoming battle-weary, you know, and they are disposed to uh, abandoning their n notorious and nefarious activities and then coming out to, to live normal uh, lives. So I see this president making serious impact, you know, in, in terms of our security uh, challenges. Mr. Kachiko, um, we are faced with economic challenges as well. The people of this country are suffering right now, trying to make ends meet. We have a huge task ahead of us. What would you suggest that this current administration, in terms of the economy, to do to make life better and easier for people of Nigeria? It's very simple. Um, the government needs to take a different approach. Successive governments have believed that um, the resource of Nigeria is oil and gas. 
they have this approach and that's it and I was doing the umpire that got to look at some minerals into the basket but the greatest resource of Nigeria is Nigerian people a government that understands that Nigerian people are her greatest assets that will invest in Nigerian people that will unleash the potentials of Nigerian people will benefit from the Nigerian people we have a teeming youth population. Our youths are doing us proud in every field of endeavor. Our youths are taking Nigeria, the name of Nigeria, all over the world. If we were to invest in these people, if we were to encourage these people, if we were to make Nigeria a better place for these people, these people will bring their impact to bear in our economy. Let's invest in Nigerian people and let's unlock the, our economic potential. Well, that will be your last, uh, I'll take that as your final contribution to the conversation today. I'd like to say a special thanks to you, our dear listener, for being a part of the program today. It's been Radio Link on the network service of Radio Nigeria and came to you live from here. It happens every Saturday at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. It's a two-hour conversation and we've had with us as guests in the studio, the Director of Special Duties and State operation, Operations of the National Orientation Agency, NOA, Mr. David Akoji. And we also have with us, um, as our guest today, the Chief Executive Officer of a non-governmental organization, Connected Development, Mr. Hamzat Lawal. Thank you very much. We also had with us, still here, seated, Mr. Dumebi Kachuku. He is the former presidential candidate of the African Democratic Congress, ADC. Thank you so much, Mr. Kachuku. And to you, our dear listener, we appreciate your time with us. Don't forget to join us again next week. Saturday, 8 o'clock in the morning for another edition of the program Radio Link. I'd like to say special thanks to our studio manager, Usman Nuruddin and Lubis Salmon. Production assistant has been Taysa Zambi. Associate producer, Joseph Agi and Tijani Ibrahim. Our news producer has been Obunime Ukeje, who's been running around here trying to put things together. Assistant producer, Idara Ubayang and Adora Sanchesa. Producer for today, Olufemi Fulani. Thank you very much, sir. You've always also been around trying to put things together. Executive producer Husseina Akila. I am Princess Boraro. Thanking you for listening. Let's do this again next week, Saturday at 8 o'clock. Bye for now.